Welcome to Queerly Recommended. I am your host, Tara Scott, and with me as always is Chris Bryant. Hello! It's episode 10! Can you believe it? I know! We've, we've reached double digits! So good. They said it couldn't be done. They and were we did wrong. it. We knocked <laughs> it out of the park. Just like everyone knew we could. Right? Yeah! Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, we want to start by thanking all the people who have been leaving us ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. So thank you. And I'm going to read a couple right now. Love it. Let's go. Okay. So Christy Drexel says, I'm totally loving this podcast. I mean, come on. Tara and Chris together talking about everything and anything. The thing I like most is getting to know both of them a little more each time. That's so sweet. sweet. Thank you, Christy. You, as always, are the loveliest. Yes. I I think... I mean, Lesbic is a real small community, and so I've kind of seen Christy around, but I think one of the things that always stood out for me is that she's just such a big fan of your books, which I get, because also, I am also a big fan of your books. So, yeah. And she has the best wife, and we went to prom together. Sue and I went to prom together. We have prom pictures, too. Yes. Yes. Prom where? (laughs) Prom in (laughs) P-Town. We took prom pictures. It was cute. So they're just, they're a lovely couple, and I really enjoy spending time with them. So they're adorable. So Love thank it. you, Christy. And we also, uh, we received a review from Kay Bulmer. Uh, Neither of us knows. Right. She shared, I stumbled across this podcast by complete accident, and I have to say I'm thrilled that I did. Tara and Chris are awesome, and I really look forward to more episodes. So yay. Kay you're pretty awesome too. I'm thrilled that you stumbled across us. It's, uh, yes. I, you know, I think we went into this knowing that obviously you have fans because you're an author. I have a lot of people that follow me because I'm a reviewer and right. it's fans. You have fandom. To, they seem to care what I think about the books. <laughs> so it's really cool to hear that other people have come to this podcast without having any idea who we are. So right. yeah. Thank you so much, everyone related unrelated we also had a couple of responses to the last episode and really specifically around the recommendation that i made for the documentary about the go-go's if you haven't listened to that episode yet please go back chris and i were very punchy <laughs> we recorded it it was late after it we was had a, a full day of work but we had fun and right. um it sounds like other people were having fun and yeah that was my recommendation which if you have showtime um, the documentary for the Go-Go's is on there. It's so freaking good. I'm still listening to like early new wave music because of it. I was listening to the first Patti Smith album this morning. I'd never listened to it before, but holy shit, it's good. It's, so it's been a long good. time since I l- listened to Patti. Right. Well, I mean, Spotify, it's all right there. It's just magical. <laughs> so, but I was going to tell you about what people had to say about that. And then I got oh, okay. off track because I was thinking <laughs> about. we can talk about music all damn day. Trust right? me. Right? Or about anything. And like, there was one song. I'm just going to keep going about Patti Smith apparently for a couple minutes. So I sent a message actually to my friend Andrew because he was the one that I went to and said, Hey man, I really liked the Go-Go's documentary. I really love their album Beauty and the Beat. It also makes me kind of want to listen to Blondie, like really early Blondie. What else should I be listening to? He built me this playlist, which is amazing because not only does he love music but like he was the front man for like a kind of popular canadian rock band (laughs) in the early 2000s and so neil's like of course you fucking got a playlist from somebody 
a band that toured and did well and was like i don't know what to tell you <laughs> i have good friends but on that album the song free money just like made me drop everything and just listen which is like i never do that with music but there was just something about like the whole vibe of it that was incredible so anyway but coffee achiever on twitter said this episode is speaking to me in many ways. The first concert I ever went to was the Go-Go's. My mom and aunt took me and my sister when I was eight or nine. I am still a huge fan. Which I think is the sweetest. That is very sweet. All right, I'm going to ask you a question that I haven't prepared you for. Do you <gasps> okay. remember the first concert you ever went to? Yes, but we can't talk about it because that's one of the bank questions. That's one of the security questions on everything you sign up for in life. Seriously? Yes! But like, did you use that question for it? I did because, oh. you know, like I was like 20 and we have to sign up for, you know, <laughs> banking, online banking. What is the first, yeah, you pick, like, what is your father's, you know, middle name? What is your yeah. mother's maiden name? What is the first street you grew up on? Yeah. What is the first concert you ever went to? So I can never answer this question. Oh, well, that's a bummer. No, I never. But yes, I remember it because I'm such a music hound. I loved it. I had such a great time. I had a lot of crushes, lots of crushes. I made my sister take me. She hated every moment of it. <laughs> and the car broke down next to some shady motel in some mm -hmm. shady little town here in Kansas City. A little suburb called Riverside. Oh, my God. It's the scariest place. And the car <laughs> broke down. So it was late at night. It was just a mess. And this is before cell phones. So. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say, not even knowing who you went to see, I still got a great story out of that question. So I have no regrets. <laughs> so, I always have good stories. Oh, and then uh, Wendy, our friend on Twitter, we've talked about her before, said, speaking of female bands, if you guys don't know Elastica, look them up. Talk about a perfect album. Sigh. They just have the one self-titled album. So that is a recommendation to everybody else. Go and check that out. Nice. Okay, it's time for listener questions. Author Angelique Giordana asked, are you into lesbian horror slash psychological thrillers? That would be an absolutely hell to the fucking no. <laughs> absolutely not. No, 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 no. Um, I, I believe we've established in previous episodes that I am but a sweet baby. You are <laughs> a little baby. Uh, if I am afraid of finding out that a lesbian got killed in a movie, you can be sure that I'm afraid of somebody getting murdered in something gory and scary. You know, I, I don't like to read them, per se, but I do like to watch, I can't say that I know of any lesbian horror or psychological thrillers, but I do like to watch horror. No, I'm lying. I don't like to watch horror, but I like to watch psychological thrillers. Uh -huh. The horror movies, to me, I'm out on. I mean, my sister, this is kind of a joke with us, my sister is always trying to get me to go see horror movies. And I don't know if I've told the story before, uh -huh. but one time she, she tricked me to going to see the ring she said no! it was a, she said it was a romantic comedy <gasps> the ring oh no so she That's takes you to the ring she's a horrible person but i love her to death <laughs> and so she takes you to see the ring and i'm like i look at her i'm like what the fuck is this and like the whole time like i'm very quiet when i watch movies like yeah. super quiet and my sister is a squealer and a screamer she's that person and i never knew this about her because I don't go to horror movies with her because mm -hmm. she loves them. I mean, she will like freak herself out just watching scary movies. So yeah, so that 
so now every time she wants to go see a movie i make sure i check it out first before i say oh yeah sure because i trust her she's my sister except she's untrustworthy except now and she's <laughs> untrustworthy yeah and now we joke about it now she'll say some killer movie and she goes yeah it's a romantic comedy <laughs> so well you know what i have i kind of think like given that it's the kind of stunt you can really only get away with once she chose a real ring okay wedding ring i want to propose perfect let's do this yeah, it's probably yeah. got sandra bullock in I it <laughs> What an asshole. Oh, that's hilarious. That's, yeah, that's my <laughs> sister. It didn't happen to me because I don't think I would have stayed in the theater. I would have like gotten mad, burst into angry tears, oh. and then walked out of the theater. Just so shocked that my sister was like screaming, Devious. clutching me. Like, it's, uh, she, I, I was like, who are you? Like, really? Who? I mean, I was scared, yes, but I'm the kind of person that I freeze if I'm scared. Like, I don't scream. I'm either going to fight or flight. It's one of the two. It's, but I oh never God. make a sound. Like if somebody tries to scare me, I never scream. It's, you I'm, start I'm, punching? Because my whole life, my sister has scared me. And so I have like steeled myself against yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I do believe that Angelique Giordana has a book out that's a oh, horror okay. psychological thriller. I have not read it for all the reasons I just explained. <laughs> so I cannot, I can't vouch for it either way. But if you have been searching for that, perhaps it's something for you to go check out. So thank you, Angelique, for your question. We also got one other question. Marky sent in an email. And for anybody who doesn't know yet, we actually do have an email address, podcast at queerlyrecommended.com. You can send in your comments. You can send in your questions that you'd love us to answer. We love to hear from you. But Marky sent in an email. She said, hello, ladies, big fan of your books, Ms. Bryant. And I'm one of those folks who buys both the book and the audio. Thanks. My first question is, let's start with, let's start with the first question. And then I'll bring in the second question. My okay. first question is, do you have control over who narrates the audio version? Big fan of Brittany Pope. And I liked Kara Grace doing Tinsel. Okay. So I think I was one of the lucky ones because... We started this massive push a couple of years ago uh, to BSB, Bold Strokes Books, uh, did a massive push to get a bunch of books on audio. And Rad uh, reached out to me and she's like, hey, listen, there's a new narrator we're thinking about using. I'm going to send you three different little clips of narrators that we're thinking of using for your books. And I need you to pick one and see what you think. So I picked Brittany. But her recording was kind of very, like she was in a tunnel. It sounded kind of uh, weird, almost echoey. So I, I told Rad, I said, I, I really like the first one. I really like Brittany, but it, her, her sound is off. I'm not quite sure where she's recording it. So then Rad went back and, did, and asked Brittany to give us a second recording. Uh-huh. And the second recording is a little bit better, but it was still kind of tinny. Uh-huh. So I think the first couple of books she, she narrated for me, they were, they, we had a little bit of a sound issue, but I think now it's better. Which ones were they? Don't ask me that. <laughs> I don't remember. I well, don't remember. I'm asking because I have listened, I haven't listened to all your books. And to be honest, I don't know if your first couple are even in audio. Actually, I think Whirlwind Romance just came out in audio, right, didn't it? it did. But I don't know if Jolt ever made it to audio. I definitely didn't listen to that. But I've listened to probably, is it accurate to say that she's narrated four or five of them? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So that's um, probably how many I've listened to. And I don't remember the audio quality standing out as poor in any of them. I just always thought, 
she was a really, really good match for your characters, for the tone of your book. Yeah, thank you. She yeah. could like... So the thing that I really like specifically about Brittany Pope that I noticed her do with your books is that... So like, Temptation is obviously a bit of a sultrier... Like, it's it's still a contemporary romance. It's not an erotic romance, but like, it is a sultrier book than your other books. And like, she shifted her tone to match that. Oh, good. Which I yeah. thought was really cool. Like, she's just... She's such a pro. I love her. And she, I want to say I had some, somebody did Jolt, but they did it through Audible. It didn't, it didn't involve Bolshevik's books. It was kind of like a one and done type thing. Like the ACX program or something like that? I I couldn't tell you for sure. Like, I know that my, that was one of the first books that at the very beginning, Audible reached out and said, we want the, we want this book and this book and this book just from different writers. And then they Mm -hmm. did, they paid a fee a flat fee mm-hmm. for the rights to the audible book and so that's kind Got of what it. happened with jolt so Got the it. the narrator on jolt is very i i can't listen to it i i can't listen to my books on audible mm-hmm. but for sure i can't that one i i don't remember the narrator but like it's every word kills me oh, so no. uh and i think it's just because it's weird to hear your own words out loud by mm-hmm. somebody else who's mm-hmm. not you and so it's just it's hard but I think Brittany does a really good job. So, so yes, I did have some control over it. And I, I think that for the most part, we're given options. Yeah. So no, that's we, very cool. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like, I think Bolt Strokes was really the first of the lesbic publishers to jump on the audiobook thing. Like, before it ever really proved itself out specifically for the lesbian fiction sector, because, yeah, like, audiobooks were huge anyway, but they are expensive to make so it can be hard to sometimes justify the cost but i think it's really wise and now we've seen other publishers follow like bella books are doing them regularly now and i thought they would never do it to be to be honest and i'm thrilled that they are um ilva also they've been working with tantor and tantor puts out like really high quality phenomenal stuff so they end up with narrators like why doesn't my brain work <laughs> so they end up with narrators like angela daw who also is like i first heard of angela daw because she was narrating one of nalini singh's theories and nalini singh is a like wildly popular paranormal romance author so it's kind of cool to see all the publishers really getting into it and just partly because some people prefer it in audio but mostly for me why i'm excited is that i also think it's the right thing to do it's an accessibility thing it means that people who may not have the time or even the ability to sit and read on a kindle or with a paperback that they can still access the same stories and they can do it on their own terms. Right. And I'm, I'm not one. I mean, I've, I, I listen to audiobooks when there's no other option for me, meaning, cause mm-hmm. I love to read. I love mm-hmm. holding a book, the Kindle, whatever. I love the actual read because I read faster than anybody yes. can talk. Yes. So uh, for me, it's a speed thing. And, but if I'm in a car, I can't like hold a book and read. Uh-huh. So road trips, I always get audiobooks, always. And so, you know, that's, that makes it so all of a sudden, like you're there at your destination. Yeah. I love it. Do you change your playback speed? I do. I absolutely do. Yeah. So I think this one book I was listening to, I was at one, <clears throat> excuse me, I was at 1.4, <laughs> but usually 1.25. Oh but yeah. For no. sure. It has to be faster. That's my, like, there are some narrators 
Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything I can listen to at like just a flat, the normal speed. I even sped up Dolly Parton, if I'm honest. (laughs) I speed everybody up because I think there's this like, it's a deliberate thing in audiobooks to make sure that everybody can like catch it. And then you can adjust it up or down if you want to, but I'm always adjusting it to at least 1.25. Usually 1.3 is my baseline if it allows for that level. Uh, But there's some like Paige McKinney who does Carson Tate's books. And I actually do think Paige McKinney is a great match for Carson Tate's writing, but I cannot deal with her pace. Her pace bores me to death and so i turn it up to like 1.75 there are occasionally times where i'm like why is she talking like a squirrel on speed and i'm like oh Oh, that's right i will will say that against all odds melissa sternenberg did against all odds and i did not speed it up like i listened to the sample of it when it came out and I did not have to speed her up. So I think she's, she's also a wonderful narrator. Yes, she's excellent. So that's actually a perfect lead into the second question from Marky. Who are your top three narrators? And this question is for both of us. So I, of course, I'm going to go with Brittany Pope, yes. Melissa Sternenberg, yes. and I, I'm going to give two. I don't know that I have a third yet. Okay. So because you said those two, I can yes and you and therefore still only deliver three because what I was going to do (laughs) was deliver like four or five because F it. I'm not going to be concerned. Give me one of mine. (laughs) I'll go ahead and give you one of mine. Go for it. (laughs) Uh, Actually, I might take uh, a couple extra anyway. So I do listen to quite a lot of audiobooks. I haven't been listening to as many uh, lesbian romance audiobooks because I think I've discussed before on the show that I just I haven't been connecting as much with as many uh, romance novels lately and audiobooks are freaking expensive so I don't yes. really want to invest in them right now but generally speaking my favorites Jill Smith oh my god I've heard a lot of good Her things voice. about Jill Smith she is so good she can do funny she can do sexy she can do kind of any anywhere in between where I listened to her, there were a few books I listened to. So she narrated The Bell versus the BDOC by Amy Jo Peasens. And if you're wondering what a BDOC is, it's the big dyke on campus, <laughs> which is a super cute, it's a really, really cute new adult book that's um, an enemies to lovers. They're highly antagonistic, but it's like a playful kind of antagonism, if that makes sense. And so she brought a great vibe to it. She also narrated one of my very very favorites from a few years ago because she does tamsin parker's book and tamsin's book called in her court which is like a falling for the best friend's little sister story and it takes place at an adult sleepaway camp where they're kind of like like they both basically work for the camp and it's the kind of camp where it's not it's like they do team building events for companies like that kind of thing And one of them is like super nerdy. Yeah. So we'll say the one lead is super nerdy, but like the best friend's little sister, she remembers her as like, whatever, she's my best friend's little sister. And then she shows up and she's like gorgeous and (laughs) very, very smart. And it's just, oh, it's so fun. Um, So yes, I love Jill Smith. Highly recommend. Lisa Corleone is also 
fabulous. She hasn't done a ton of Lesrick books, but she's done a handful and they're all worth checking out. So if you've been wondering, should I pick up the audiobook for and playing the role of herself by K.E. Lane? The answer, of course, is obviously yes. If you haven't read it, I'm kind of surprised because I thought everybody's read it by now. So we're just going to boost that little book anyway. It's the first Lesfic that I read. It's cute. It has problems, but it's still a great book. And Lisa Cordelian, uh, I said her last name wrong. I'm so sorry. She's not going to listen to this. It's fine. <laughs> narrated that. And she's also done a handful of Robin Alexander's books. Pick up any book that she's narrated that Robin Alexander did. And you're going to laugh until you cry. Like, it's just, because that's also Robin Alexander. Her books are hilarious. And then my other favorite is Lori Prince. I actually didn't like Lori Prince at first. I did not connect with her for the first couple of books that I listened to. That yeah, she I've heard that before. And then specifically, if you look at, like, the Bold Strokes books, like, the, the books from Bold Strokes that she was narrating at the beginning of her working with them didn't super work the best for me. Like, a perfect example is probably Trails Merge by Rachel Spangler. I felt like the way she did the male characters was a bit weird for me and that kept pulling me out of the book. But like, she just kept getting better and better and better. And like, she is such a pro. And there's times where like, just from the way she performs, she brings so much more so that the emotional moments are more emotional and the sexy moments are sexier. And like, she's just so good. So I absolutely highly recommend her. I will have to say hmm. that another narrator that I have listened to and I have enjoyed is Ann Etter. She does Rachel Spangler's books now. Oh, yeah. I haven't listened to those yet, but that's a great point. Yeah, I have too. I listened to two and she, she does a really good job of slipping into characters, you know, mm -hmm. knowing like the thing, this is a true story. Like I stopped writing accents. Like you'll notice the first few of my books I've had accents because I am a sucker for an accent. Like I love all different accents. You know, I've traveled the world. I have just like, just, I just love to like sit in an area and just listen to, to, to people speak that have yeah. accents. Yeah. And so a lot of my books have accents and a lot of people can't do accents. So that was an issue. So now yeah. If you've noticed, my books in the last, you know, three or four have all taken place in areas like Colorado, where there's no accents. Yeah. So well, because the people in Colorado. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it's it's like for, middle for of American the country. Narrators. Yeah. For American narrators, Colorado's pretty easy. The accent <laughs> is very, very small, if any at all. Yeah. So I have a problem with that. Like at the very beginning, I was writing, you know, right. I had my characters from South Africa. I had them yes. from, you know, London, England, all these different places. Yes. And Ireland. Oh my God. What was I thinking? But oh my God, the, <laughs> the accents are wonderful. So yes. I stopped doing accents because of audiobooks because it was hard to find narrators who could actually mm -hmm. do the, uh, the actual accents. So I think Anne does a pretty good job, you know, of narrating the different accents. So I have listened to her that's so good. Yeah, I mean, accents can absolutely make or break a book for me. Right. Like, I, and like with favorite narrators, like I love Nicola Victoria Vincent. So actually, that's another one to add to the list, especially when she narrates Jenny Frame's books. Right. But there was one book that she narrated. I'm trying to remember which one. I think it might have been Nell Stark's last princess book. And think it was called the princess deception but one of the characters was american and the accent wobbled in and out 
and I found it incredibly distracting. And I had the same thing listening to a book that Kira Grace narrated. Actually, it was also a Jenny Frame book. And I can't remember what it's called, and it doesn't really matter, but with British characters. And her accent kind of wobbled all over the place, too. And so I did find that really difficult. What I think is kind of cool, I feel like we've been going on about narrators forever, but I have a lot of feelings about narration. I have a lot of feelings. And it's important. Yeah, we. Right. It's it's a big thing for for Lesvik in our community right now. Absolutely. Growth of audiobooks. But I saw recently, I, I recently saw on either Twitter or Facebook, Lee Winter was talking about how she was incredibly picky with the narrator for Requiem for Immortals. And I'm actually really glad she was because this person hasn't narrated like a bunch of lesbic books or anything like that, but she had like the perfect, like it was an Australian person, I believe, or the Australian accent was very faithful, but she could get the tone right because they're like Requiem is such a fucked up character that you had to have somebody who could get it right. Because if you didn't have the right person doing Requiem, that would have been ruined. So yeah, Marky. Thank you for your question. I love talking about narrators. <laughs> it was a good question. Uh, okay, so before we get started on our recommendations, you and I really need to discuss what happened this past weekend, which Mitch. was the lesbian period drama sketch on Saturday Night Live. Like, like freaking all social media blew up with the sketch that they did, oh and God. it was perfect it was majestic right i mean by the time this goes up it'll have been uh not this a couple weeks weekend, but, right. yeah. yeah but oh my god it was perfect because if anybody has listened to and it was perfect timing because we had just dropped our special <laughs> bonus episode with georgia beers where we were talking about lesbian period dramas and like they oh, heard us they did hear us and i also like i love that they brought carrie mulligan in for it like everything like yes Everything about this, like it was perfect. It was I even <laughs> like like when when the uh, the character brings in his wife and it's like she's a bummer. <laughs> That's what he, like right? what's wrong with her? She's a bummer. Oh my god! She's a... <laughs> even the way they promoted it because they pro- SNL promoted it a lot on Twitter. And wasn't right. didn't they say it was something like will they lesbian together? <laughs> The whole thing is great. I mean, everything from, like, she's medically upset. And there's, like, eight lines of dialogue in a two and a half hour movie, which was hilarious. And and the sex scene will be surprisingly graphic. (laughs) Right. It's just, I saw her, like, they had, like, these fake, uh, what do you call them? Like, uh, oh, what are they called when they, when you uh, review? You would think, hello, I'm good at this. But when they had, like, these fake reviews, like, we saw her bare back, which means we could visualize her bare front, which means we saw boobies. You know, yes. <laughs> like the whole thing is just hilarious. It's oh. so funny. And then bringing Kate McKinnon in oh. as the like comic the ex- character. Yeah, yes. But who's also like, I don't think that particular sex <laughs> act has been invented yet. It was just It's 1840s. That hasn't been done yet. <laughs> you cracked the head for it. I mean, everything. Yes. It was so, it was just like, you know, mixing a lot of the period oh. movies that we talked about. The Ammonite, it was, it was very strongly, yes. heavily on Ammonite. And, you know, with the whole, what's wrong with her? She's a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> she, needs, she needs seagull sounds and gray skies and oh long walks on 
rocky beaches. Like everything that they did was hilarious. And it's so fucking true. That's what we get. That is out of all these books that we talk about, all these Mm -hmm. books that we write, everybody in our community, that is what they pick for mainstream. It's like ridiculous. So good, good to uh, Saturday Night Live for pointing it out and saying how ridiculous it is. Thank you, Saturday Night Live. Yes. We appreciate you. (laughs) So, Chris. Yes. It's time for us to talk about what you've been reading or watching. Uh, And what I want to know is, are you okay? Because Winona Earp is over. How was the finale? And did they do it justice? The finale was... It was very good. It was very good. They did it justice. I was a little concerned, like, the whole time. I was like, what about this person? What about this person? What about this person? I kept thinking about this one character, one character the whole time. You know, are we going to address this? Are we not going to address this? And they did. And it was beautiful. Everything about it, uh, way hot. I mean, everybody kind of knows what happened, but they got married finally. And it was just beautiful. It was, uh, you know, Emily did a great job. And I think it sealed up the um, the whole entire show, you know, with a nice bow. It didn't leave anything really nothing open. Nothing major was left hanging. Right. Nothing was left hanging. I mean, yes, they could pick it up if some other uh, show or network picks them up. But at the same time, it was a it was a finale that was really well done. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I kind of figured it once they said that, you know, we had talked about, you know, is there going to be a fifth season before I kept calling the fourth season, the fifth season, but that's only because it was like a big push for the fifth season to to get renewed, but Mm -hmm. it ended with four. And I felt like, I felt like I knew that that was going to happen. You know, they pushed so hard to get the fourth one. And I just knew that the fifth one was going to be really hard to get. And so I went into it thinking, this is it. Brace yourself. You know, we're not going to have these characters anymore. Yeah. And I felt like it was done very well. That's so good. Yeah, I was sad. But at the same, you know, how you just get sad because you're with characters and and you've built a family with, you know, the Erpers online and and you meet them at conferences. And I, you know, I'm sad because that'll still continue, but eventually it'll trail off and it'll turn into something else. You know, they'll add more shows like kind of what Clexicon did. Yeah. I think all the Erp expos and Erp. Herpapaloozas and Herpcons are all going to be like that, where it's going to start off as one, and they're going to start mm-hmm. adding things to it. Or they're going to, or maybe they'll eventually like merge some of the conferences or something. Yeah. So that yeah, it's, yeah, because Clexicon has everything now. They they had a whole bunch of Winona Herp. They had Lost Girl. You know, of course, the One Hundred. So I think and, this is probably what's going to happen too with Herp. Yeah, that makes sense. But I mean, how wonderful that finally somebody in media is like what if we just embrace queer joy right thank you emily for sure like like perfect and you know waverly is bisexual and you know nicole is gay and you know and and jeremy there's so many queer characters and it was just beautiful and they all had Mm. normal problems you know there's death but i mean that's just the whole show itself there's a lot of killing and stuff so yeah but yeah, so I mean, it's the same problems. We all have problems, whether we're que- queer or straight, and we all deserve love, whether we're queer or straight. So I thought the the show was very positive, and I think that's the success was mm-hmm. the fact that it's very positive and it, and it has a very good message. Like, hey, guess what? Just because we're queer doesn't mean that we can't fight demons or we can't, you know, have babies or get married. You know, you still have relationships. So 
Mm-hmm. It's a very good show. I'm I'm very glad to be a part of it and to have, you know, been around for it to watch yeah. it in real time. Good. What else have you been watching? Well, I'll touch briefly on this. I watched the the. I got hit twice because the finale of Shameless ended. You know, I mm-hmm. had been watching Shameless for I I don't know how many seasons they had ten maybe. So like 10 years are watching these characters grow up, you know, they're little kids and now they're adults with babies. And, you know, it was just, it was such a raw show and just, it was just interesting. And so I wasn't as emotionally as invested as I was with Ramona Earp, but I mean, yeah. fuck, they hit back to back, boom, boom, done. I was like, oh, that's too much. I felt it. I felt it. So I needed something good. So did you, have you been able to watch anything happy recently? Yes. Thanks to you and other people who have recommended this show. Ted Lasso finished yes. it. Ted Lasso. How, how lovely was that show? It was great. I made everybody I know watch it. I say you need. I even told my dad. I gave him like a, you know you can family share with the Apple TV, and so I set my dad up for it. And I said you need to watch the show. It's great because he's like stuck on Korean soap operas. So I'm like dad. Wait, you what? Need to watch. <laughs> yeah, my dad has been stuck on Korean soap operas. Tell me and, more. <laughs> You know, and like my dad is like, my dad is like a true dude. He's like a man dude, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Why? I go, dad, you need to watch Ted Lasso because he loves football. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, a, he's an American where it's like soccer's like, he's an older American. So yeah, he's, yeah. soccer's like, meh, whatever. But yeah. he's into football and stuff like that. And I'm like, you would just love this so much. It's such a, a great message. And my dad loves humor and, and comedy. And so. I told him he has to watch it. So I'll find out when he drops mom off today. I'll find out if he started it or not. Oh, good. The thing that I loved about Ted Lasso, I mean, immediately to me, it struck me as hilarious and like a fairly gentle sense of humor. But the right. thing that I loved about the character himself, Ted Lasso, is that he's so warm and gentle. Mm-hmm. Funny. But like that warmth really came through. But then the more I, wa- I kept watching, I was like, oh, no something really awkward or horrible is about to happen. <laughs> and of course, like when sometimes watching comedy, when that happens, it's like, I need to distract myself with my phone or something so that I can get away from that feeling of like right. wanting to peel my skin off because it's so horrible. But with this show, it's like, you think something like that is going to happen and then it shifts and something else happens. And often it's something really lovely. It's right. like the perfect bomb. If anybody feels like they're hitting their COVID wall, which, by the way, if you are, you are not alone. I very much crashed headfirst into my own personal most recent COVID wall within the last week. But like Ted Lasso is the absolute perfect, low stress, lovely, warm hug TV show to help with that. That will make you laugh for sure. Yes. And forget about things and really enjoy it. Yes. So Tara, what have you been watching or reading this week? Like- so this week... Neil and I watched, I'm trying to think if we watched it with Amanda. I think we did. We were looking for something fun to watch because again, you know, COVID. Wall. Wall. Yeah, correct. Um, And I had heard from Sarah at Smartfish's Trashy Books, one of the places where I uh, write reviews. I actually joined her on a review for it. But she was putting something in our Slack channel about, you guys, you guys, this, this movie is so much fun. Is it a good movie? Not really. But it's a fun movie. And I was like, I'm in. That is exactly <laughs> what I need right now. And that, and so that was the funny thing is 
I said, uh, I asked Neil first, I was like, do you want to watch Thunder Force? And he was like, I don't know if it's going to be good. And I was like, I don't care if it's good. I just <laughs> want it to me be laugh. fun. And that's exactly what it was. Like, no, it's not as good as like Spy or Bridesmaids. Like the other movies where Melissa McCarthy really shined. And I think that's kind of a trend that we've seen in some of the movies that she makes where her husband is directing. But you know what? I was thoroughly charmed. I was absolutely just like with her movie, super intelligent, which we also watched during the quarantines. I was thoroughly entertained and charmed. I laughed quite often. And also how nice is it to see a couple of women who are around 50 being superheroes they don't have perfect hard bodies like so good they were just like normal people and i think one of the things i loved about it as well is there was just so much love that's i mean that's if anybody has been listening to the show or paying attention to anything i've kind of reviewed over the years you'll see that to me i love warmth if a piece of media has a core of warmth and humanity and love to it I will show up for it every time. And I'll love it. Have you seen it? I watched it. Somebody had recommended it and said there was a queer element. So I'm like, cool. You know, I love Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spencer. Is that who? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. And so mm-hmm. I went in there going, okay, what's going to happen? What, what, what's super queer about this? And I couldn't find it. Like no. there was like one sentence where the grandma. Hilarious. Yeah, it's great. It's <laughs> hilarious. So I was a little... I guess I was looking for that too much. I didn't really sit back and enjoy it because I love Melissa McCarthy. I love her. And a lot of times she ad libs. She just like, just keeps going. You know, it's like (laughs) not in the script. She says, you know, she says what she wants to. And so, I mean, it was entertaining, but it wasn't like, it didn't rock my world as much as I wanted it to. I agree that like the, like the scene where they're trying to get in and out of the car is a riot, (laughs) you know, because that is me. And that is why, you know, I, I need to like downsize from my monster truck and just get like a normal size SUV so that I can get in and out of it, you know, especially with my parents getting older. Oh yeah. Well, also to me, I think it was one of the funniest sex scenes I've ever seen in any movie ever. Like, yeah, it's pretty funny uh, but it was I, also a little weird you know cause, oh, because oh it was it, super <laughs> weird it was super weird that's what made it funny and like i'm never gonna look at old bay the same again <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's not possible it's not possible but in other news i've also been listening to the book high school by tegan and sarah so oh. You probably uh, are going to notice I'm on a bit of a kick with like music biographies. Have I finished Kathy Valentine's biography? No, but the hold came through from the library for this one. (laughs) And I bought Kathy Valentine's book. Right. So that's any time. Yeah. And so it's Tegan and Sarah and they're going back and forth chapter by chapter. They each do a chapter at a time and they talk about their experiences in high school. And the thing that I really like about it and it really stands out for me in particular is that they actually went to high school in Calgary where Ah. I live now and have lived for almost 16 years and actually the other thing that's really cool I'm not to that part yet but there's a year of it that overlaps Neil went to their high school they they were in the same grade of the same high school for his final year like for grade 12 and so I asked him I was like 
did you know them? He's like, no, I knew who they were. The only time he ever met them, I think he was at a concert or he was somewhere like buying a CD from them. But so the thing for me that I like is like, A, yes, I love hearing about them, what their experience was like, you know, like their queer awakening and all of that. But for me, there's also kind of an extra special element because I get kind of a peek into a world that Neil inhabited. And it's really good. And I actually, I do recommend it in audio, especially if you can, because they narrate it. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. I've turned them, what speed have I turned them up to? Let's find <laughs> 1.8. <laughs> uh, no, no, definitely not that high, actually. It is 1.3. Which, wow. Okay, which is about my standard, too. Yeah, that's my baseline. So, yes. Love it. Highly <laughs> recommend it. All right, it is time for official recommendations. Chris Bryant, what is your recommendation this week? My official recommendation is the movie Summerland. Mm -hmm. And we kind of talked about it when we had Georgia Beers on the show in the bonus episode. It is a movie that came out, I want to say maybe in 2020, maybe last year or 2019. Mm -hmm. It's a recent movie, but it's a historical movie. It's a historical movie. Now, because I have no memory... Right? And because some people may not have listened to that episode, what's it about? Here's the, the quick synopsis. During World War II, reclusive writer Alice has her sequestered life upended when Frank, an evacuee from the London Blitz, is left in her care. And he's a, he's a kid. He's just a kid. Mm-hmm. Despite initially resolving to be rid of him, Alice finds herself and her emotions reawakened by him. So what happens is the small town of Kent accepts several children evacuees from London to get away from all the bombings that are going on there. And uh, somehow Alice is given the sweetest, smartest boy, Frank. I mean, he is adorable. You fall in love with him right away, you know, and he's even though he's super scared to be in the situation, you know, mm-hmm. you can see his personality he has a very large personality, but he doesn't know how to release it because Alice is just so she's such a wall stone wall and she immediately tells the person who delivers Frank that there's been a mistake and the woman says I'm sorry you have to take him for a week it's going to take us that long to rehome him so you're just going to have to deal with it she's like I never agreed to this and the lady's like you got a letter and so she so they look at her mailbox and it's full of like trash and like rocks and sticks because the neighborhood kids hate her they all think she's a witch or a spy and not a spy so they junk up her mailbox so she takes her mailbox she dumps it upside down and there's the letter saying that she's gonna get a kid so you know she's she's like fine she goes don't touch anything you have to cook your own food and so she's really harsh with him and you find out that she's actually harsh with all kids throughout her whole life like the movie starts off in 1975 Nope. And it's like 95% of it is told in flashback and trigger flashbacks. Interesting. So, uh, you know, she's uh, she starts off, you know, it's 1975 and she's like banging away at a typewriter. And there's a knock on the door and she opens it up and these two sweet little kids are like, hi, we're looking for like charity for something that's going on. She's like, no, she slams the door on them. <laughs> she goes back to typewriting and it's just back to her story. She's a writer and like, that is her goal. That's all she wants to do is write. Like she has sequestered herself. She is a loner. She doesn't mm-hmm. have any friends, but she wasn't always like this. And so 
another funny thing I think is funny why she why she doesn't like kids or you know she doesn't like kids like seriously the first five minutes you know this person is like wow like she uh-huh. goes to the general store to get some I think cigarettes maybe I can't remember exactly what she gets uh-huh. and in front of her there is a mother and her daughter and the daughter wants some chocolate and the mother's like oh, we can't we can't afford it you know uh-huh. that we don't have enough coupons because so in the war they gave coupons or, yeah. you know so people could you know ration the food and they can pick up what they needed and so this little girl's holding this chocolate bar. And so Alice goes up, takes a chocolate bar from her, and then orders like a pack of cigarettes and says, you know, here. And everybody thinks she's going to give the kid the chocolate. And she takes off with it instead. And like the kid's like screaming. Oh, she's, she's like, hateful. Yeah, she's smoking her cigarette and she takes off. I mean, that's the first five minutes. Oh so you know that she does not like kids, but mm-hmm. all of a sudden she, she's now in, in, responsible for taking care of this kid during the war. Mm-hmm. His parents are still alive. His father flies in the war. He flies a plane. Mm-hmm. He's a fighter, pilot, and then his mom works for the government. Mm-hmm. So, but, but a lot of kids, you know, they sent kids out to the outskirts uh, in the UK mm-hmm. to get away from the bombs for them to be safe and to live. Yeah. So, so she's kind of hard. She's... She opens up slowly to Frank, uh-huh. and eventually she ends up keeping him uh-huh. to stay with her until you know the, either the war's over or the parents feel safe enough to come get him. It's it's basically a story about relationships, and she opens up to him. She she realizes that you know he has opinions, and uh, she considers him a friend. And she, he's like, "How come you've never married?" And she's like, "Well, I don't have to marry. I don't need a man." Uh-huh. And so he's like. You know, have you ever had a relationship and stuff like that? And she's like, so do you, how do you feel about women? How do you feel about women kissing? And she's like, well, I mean, I guess, I don't, I don't know. I don't care. You know, he's not against it. He's, he's innocent. He's sweet. He's like, do you kiss, did you kiss her on the mouth? And she's like, mostly. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, she's like super honest with this kid. She's yeah, like yeah. not lying to him. And, you know, and, and you find out through all these trigger flashbacks, you know, that she was like tamped down in her life, that she did have a love affair and Mm -hmm. she was in love with this woman, Vera, and they just had this beautiful relationship until Vera ups and leaves because she wants more. And so she has spent so much of her life, you know, fighting that, those demons of that relationship that never worked. Anyway, so Frank kind of helps her become normal again, you know, starts to, you know, be nice and be likable and have friends ish friends ish right so and i highly recommend it It has a good ending boom that is my recommendation this week summerland all right what about you what is your big recommendation for us this week okay so my recommendation is a short series it's only seven episodes about 30 minutes a piece on netflix it's called pretend it's a city and the reason why it's queer is that it focuses on famous Jewish, New York, lesbian, Fran Lebowitz. Is it about her sexuality? No, but you know what? I don't care. This is my podcast. (laughs) It's our podcast, but that's why this is my pick. Um, Because she's just like, she's always been such a prominent, and I'm pretty sure she's been openly gay for decades. Like she's in her early 70s now. And so my understanding is that how she ended up becoming famous. She had a couple of collections and they're of the essays or, or pieces that she wrote for, I think it was called interview magazine. Hopefully I got that right. And somebody's not going to get mad at me. Basically it was Andy Warhol's magazine. And she was known also for writing, like she wrote reviews of very 
bad movies, like really deliberately. <laughs> and so this series, it was uh, kind of co-produced between her and Martin Scorsese. He's in quite a lot of it. He's asking oh. her questions. There's times where he's laughing so hard that I'm like, he is not a young man. Is he going to be okay if he laughs this hard? Oh my God. And each episode kind of focuses on a different thing. So, you know, she, because it's, and it's all about life in New York City, obviously, specifically right. life for her. But she kind of is this famously, you know, she loves being single. I think she said her longest relationship was only three years. She, comes across as kind of grumpy but brilliant but then you learn things that like she loves going to parties which is one of those like what and she even talks about she's like i know people think that i would hate parties but i actually love parties because parties are fun and she loves things that are fun or like she loves children which was one of those what and it's like she talks about how like young children because they're interesting because little kids are not constrained by expectations and so they say things that are wildly interesting and I just thought it was so cool and so you know she talks about how like she loves things but she doesn't understand money or she hates managing money but she loves things and so that's also kind of a weird constraining thing there's an episode about sports like she's also been kind of famous a famous advocate for smokers rights because she's always <laughs> been a smoker and so there's this kind of episode around like sports and health and you see her so it's often martin scorsese interviewing her sometimes on stage sometimes in um it's like the two of them and somebody else who you never actually know who it is and they're at the players club in new york which is like it was probably like a gentleman's club when it was founded in the 19th century and it was founded by the brother of john wilkes booth which oh, wow. is kind of interesting and they addressed yeah. that at one point um, but then you also see her being interviewed by other celebrities at times. And I don't really know why or how that came about. And it doesn't really matter because it's really just like somebody blob questions at Fran Lebowitz and she will come back with things that are magical and hilarious. And so there's like Alec Baldwin, who almost looks confused. Like, what what is he doing there? He is not the <laughs> most charismatic interviewer. Olivia Wilde, who like, she kind of like tries to kind of be more interesting and interplay. And it's like, no, no, just lob those questions over. You don't need it. The best one was Spike Lee because oh. they go back and forth and he challenges her. Cause it's somehow in the sports episode, it comes up that she hates sports and he's like, you hate sports. And like Spike Lee is this very famous sports lover. In addition to, of course, being a very famous director. Right. And so he's trying to say, what are your favorite teams? And he's like throwing out teams for favorite sports. And she's like, I don't know. I hate sports. I don't watch them. <laughs> And then he's like, but what about Muhammad Ali? And she's like, I love Muhammad Ali. He's one of the greatest humans that was ever alive. And it comes out that she was at the first fight between Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali, which is an iconic fight. Right. And he's like, you were there? Almost like, how dare she? She hates sports. She can't be worthy. And it turns out the thing that she loved the most was the fashion. <laughs> Oh, it was so good. And so here's the thing. It is an absolute recommendation from me. I loved it. It is going to be a show that people will either love it or they will hate it. Because I think Fran Lebowitz is such, she has the kind of personality that can only be polarizing. So maybe this isn't something you can binge watch, but maybe watch like an episode a night. I binge watched some of it because I was super baked and couldn't move. <laughs> <my body. laughs> well, okay. 
So it was kind of perfect for that. But otherwise, no, I probably would have only watched one episode at a time and would be a good thing to savor. But it's like, she's mostly like, yes, she wrote all these things and she's a great writer. But like, I think she's at this point mostly famous for being a New Yorker with opinions on New York. And how amazing to establish a career that way, to build a career off of people want to show up and hear your opinions. She's not a comedian, right. but it just, it just works. So that's nice. my recommendation. Okay. And that is all for this episode. Thank you so much, everybody who joined us and stuck it out to the Yay. end. If you've enjoyed this episode, <laughs> please subscribe, like, follow, whatever it is on your podcast app. Thank you again to everybody who has been leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts. We love you. We appreciate you. And if you feel so inclined, if you haven't left a review and uh, feel inclined to do it, we will give you air high fives from our homes, socially distanced. Exactly. And if you want to connect with us on your favorite social media sites, just search for Queerly Recommended on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or email us uh, at podcast at queerlyrecommended.com. Thank you very much, and goodbye. Bye, everybody. or reading this week so this week neil and i watch i'm trying to think if we watched it with amanda i think we did she's our friend that we uh will like do the three two one go watching things on netflix together yeah so we we watched thunder force on hang on you gotta go i very want to see you too but i need you to go and i need you to lock the door behind you Okay, I'm texting your dad. Oh my god, now the dog is here. The dog can stay. No, the dog cannot stay! God damn it. I'll be right back. I gotta let the dog out. Okay. <laughs> Should I sing? Who let the dogs have? Do you, you, you. Alright. Let's go. I tricked the dog by making her think I was coming with her. <laughs> Poor I dog. Oh, oh, she's like, son of a bitch. I know. And you know what? It keeps working over and over <laughs> and over. Because she's got a teeny tiny brain. Because <laughs> she's a teeny tiny dog. Um, so yeah, so we were looking for something fun to watch. Because again, you know, COVID. Wall. Well, yeah, correct. Um, and I had heard from...